so good to look up and say, Good morning, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are faithful. Um, you are almighty. You are worthy of our praise. And as we look at you, then we look at ourselves and we confess our sins to you, those things we've done and said and thought this week we ought not to have and the things we've left undone. Lord, we confess our sins to you. And Lord, the sins of our church and, and Lord of our nation. Lord, thank you that when we believe in you, you forgive our sins. Thank you. And thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit so that we can live a new life. And thank you that you've given us your word to guide us. And thank you for a church, a place to belong. And thank you for feeding us and clothing us and keeping us safe this week. Thank you. Lord, we are a needy people. And uh, we bring our needs to you, financial and physical and relational and spiritual needs. You know our needs, meet our needs. As we open up your word today, teach us. Lord, we pray that you would fill us so full of your love, so full of the gospel that we might go out this week and, and give your love, give your gospel away because there are so many people in this community who need you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was over 50 years ago that I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart and I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And I've been following him for over 50 years. And during that time of following Jesus, I've learned that Jesus is faithful, that he's faithful. And so if you're looking for someone to follow, if you're looking for someone to trust, I've got some really, really good news for you. The point of today's message is that God is faithful to a thousand generations. And we put it in a thousand generations because often we're faithful for about five minutes, right? Matter of fact, will you say the, our point with me? That God is faithful to a thousand generations. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Genesis 17. If you don't, you can follow on the screens. If you're new, welcome. This year, we've been walking through the book of Genesis together because Genesis lays the foundation for everything else that happens in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, we read, Now when Abram was 99 years old, now I want to give you the, the backstory here. Some of you are, are new. Welcome. We first met this big character in the Old Testament a few weeks ago, and Abram was 75 years old. When Abram was 75 years old, um, God said, follow me and help change the world. He said, if you'll follow me, I will bless you, and you'll be a blessing to all the nations. One of your descendants will bring salvation to all the nations. And Abram began to follow the Lord. And like us, sometimes he got it right, and Sometimes he got it wrong, but one of the things that really encourages me about Abram is when he messed up, he never left. He kept on following even when he messed up, and I think that's important for us to remember. We all uh, mess up, but, but don't leave, okay? Now notice he's 99, so this is 24 years after we first met him, and he's, his name's about to change, okay? So this is 24 years after we began to get to know Abram. 
Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him. <clears throat> and how many of us would say, well, man, if Jesus would just appear to me, if Jesus would just speak to me, I want you to know Jesus has come and he, and he has spoken. Do you know that he has given us his word? And then Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to guide us in the word. Don't we live in a time where we hear so many voices and you wonder, who do we listen to? Who's telling us truth? This is so good. Listen to this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. God has spoken. He's given us his word. And there is a firm foundation to build our lives on. And you know what? If you pick it up at if you pick it up and you, you smell it, you know what it smells like? It smells like Jesus. And you know what Jesus said about the Bible? He said, sanctify them in the word. Your word is truth. In our day where there are so many voices, let's be glad that God has spoken. We have his word and his word is true. Now notice what God <clears throat> said to Abram, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. We're going to learn that God is faithful to a thousand generations. And one reason we can trust that God is faithful to a thousand generations is God is God Almighty. That's who he is. He can keep his promises. And notice what he says to Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Isn't that what our Christian life is like? First, we believe in Jesus, right? And then he says, follow me. So God saves Abram and says, Abram, follow me. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. <laughs> Seven times in this passage we're going to read, God spoke to him, God talked with him, God said to him, God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. For 86 years, Abram had a very difficult name to live with. Anybody know what Abram means? Anybody know? His name, Abram, means exalted father. Exalted father. So for 86 years... <laughs> Uh, Abram, that's an interesting name, exalted father. How many kids do you have? What did he say? Zero. How would you like to answer that question for 86 years? Hey, what a cool name, exalted father. How many kids do you have? None. And then for 13 years, exalted father, how many kids do you have? Then he could say what? One, because he had Ishmael. So now... <laughs> Now he's 99 years old, and God's, you know, moving his name even up. Instead of just exalted father, Abraham means a father of a multitude. And don't you know, <laughs> Abraham's thinking, how's that going to happen? I mean, in 99 years, I've got one kid, and now I'm going to be the father of a multitude of nations. But how did God introduce himself? How did God introduce himself? He said what? I am God Almighty. <laughs> uh, I can keep my promises. Now, I want you to notice over and over again, it's what God is going to do for us. Most people think the Bible is about what we're supposed to do for God. 
That's religion. The Bible's about the gospel, what God does for us. So notice what God is saying. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant. See the word, my covenant? Covenant's a big deal in the Bible. Matter of fact, in this chapter, covenant occurs 13 times. 13 times. So it's important we know what a covenant is, right? A covenant is a binding uh, promise. It is a binding relationship. Marriage is a covenant relationship. Marriage is a husband and wife. They take vows to bind themselves in. It's a covenant relationship. And we saw that God first established this covenant with Abraham in chapter 12, where he said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. He repeated the covenant. He repeated the covenant in chapter 16. He repeats it again now because some things need to be beat into our head over and over again to get, right? I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an, what's the word? What kind of covenant? Everlasting covenant. <laughs> We're going to see four times he talks about it's an everlasting covenant. Know why he puts everlasting? Because we make promises, and then how long do we keep them, huh? Until maybe they get inconvenient. And, but he says this is an everlasting covenant. Um, when I saw that, I, I, I was reminded of the story I've told you before, but it's such a good story of uh, a lady gets engaged, and, and uh, her fiancé gives her a really, really big, nice ring, and she's showing all her friends how she's engaged. And after a while, her friends ask her, well, when are you going to get married? And she said, oh, we're not getting married. I broke, up the, I broke off the engagement. And they said, well, did you give the ring back? And she said, no. And her friends said, why not? She said, well, my, my feelings toward him changed. My feeling toward the ring didn't change. I thought that was funny. Okay. <laughs> so listen, God makes us an everlasting covenant. Now notice what his promise is. So when God enter in, enters into a covenant with us, what is the covenant? To be God to you and to your descendants after you. Listen, his promise is a person and a place. When God says, I will be a God to you, listen, he promises us the person we were made for, that we could do life with him and, and eternity with him, but not only a person, he promises us a place. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God, a person and a place. Now notice the land is an everlasting possession. If you study the life of Israel, has Israel always occupied Canaan? Have they? Now there, there's been brief periods, right? But God made a promise for what on everlasting land. So when Israel has occupied the land now, it's just a little picture of what's to come when uh, we have that person we've always longed for doing life with God in that place that we've always longed for on earth. I will be their God, person and place. And notice too, the promise is to you and to your children. Often we read the genealogies in the Bible and we get bored. But really, they should fascinate us how God's keeping his, his uh, faithfulness to a thousand generations, and the faith is being passed on from generation to generation. Matter of fact, from this point on, 
All the rest of the Bible is God pursuing his people through Jesus. And he's promising them a person and a place forever. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you, and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and that shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So often with covenants, there are covenant signs. When people get married, often after they exchange vows, they exchange rings, and the ring is a sign of the covenant. So God establishes his covenant with Abraham. I will be a God to you and to your children after them. And then he gives a sign, the sign of the covenant being circumcision. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Notice this sign is given both to a believer and to his children. That means sometimes, like Abraham, he had what the sign pointed to, saving faith first, and then he had the sign, but his children would have the sign before the reality. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So circumcision was a sign of the covenant. The cutting away of skin showed that we have a sin problem that needs to be removed for us to have life with God. Circumcision involved the shedding of blood, and it pointed to the fact for us to be forgiven, we needed someone to shed his blood on our behalf. So God gives Abraham a covenant sign, and it's kind of an interesting sign, isn't it? Because who would know? Who would know that a man was circumcised? Who would know? Well, his, his parents would, right? Now, now think of this. Every time a mom or dad changed their child's diaper, they would realize, my child's greatest need is to know Jesus, to have their sins forgiven, and to know the Savior. Uh, every time they would change their child's diaper, they would be reminded that God said, I'll be a God to you and to your children after you. And they would pray, Lord, save my child, save my child. So the parents would know, right? Who else would know? Um, if they got married, their spouse would know, right? And so their spouse would know, this person what? Shares my faith. This is someone I should marry. We're equally yoked. We could have kids together, right? And, and who else would know? Come on, who else would know? The man would know, wouldn't he? Every time he went to the bathroom, he would remember, my greatest need is to know Jesus. Listen, I belong to the people of God. Um, now, throughout history and in the Bible, have, have any men ever gotten into trouble because they didn't use that part of their body well? Has, has that ever happened? Can, can you imagine what would happen if every man who had been circumcised remembered, I belong to the Lord, and I'm here to make him known to others? Would that have solved some of the problems in, in, in history, maybe? Um, so... 
God gave his people a sign, and it was for a believer and his children. And some of you would say, well, Smiley, why don't we circumcise people for religious reasons today? And, and I would say the reason we don't circumcise people for religious reasons today is the same reason we don't have a lamb at the Lord's Supper. Have you ever noticed we don't have a lamb when we have the Lord's Supper? You ever wondered why? You see, in the Old Testament, there were two signs. There was circumcision once and for all, and then there was the Passover that was done frequently. And in the New Testament, there's two gospel signs. There's baptism, and then there's the Lord's Supper. But you know what circumcision and the Passover had in common? What did they have in common? Come on. They had, someone said it, the shedding of blood, right? And in the New Testament, our signs have no shedding of blood. Why is that? Why? Because what? Jesus shed his blood, what? Once and for all. Um, then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And Sarah means princess. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Can you imagine She's 90 years old, she's never had a child, and God's making these promises to him? I mean, he's thinking, how can this ever be? Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a son? And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He was thinking, yeah, God might be almighty, but to have a child at 90, you know, and 100, maybe, you know, maybe that's beyond God, right? Um, but God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and multiply you exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you all this at this season next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all the servants who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day. And God said to him, as God had said to him, Now Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So Abraham was 99, Ishmael 13. When Isaac would be born, he would be circumcised on the eighth day. In the same, very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, all the men of his household who were born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Now, this is quite a day. Um, some of you were here a few weeks ago. Some of you were here a few weeks ago when we learned that when Lot, when Lot was taken captive uh, away, Abraham took the men born in his house who were trained for war out with him. Remember, anybody remember how many that was? 318 men. They were warriors. So how many men were there in the house? 
if you went from infants to, to those beyond, there were probably at least 500 men that we're talking about in one day here, okay? Now, a couple things here. First of all, for all the men to be circumcised on the same day, Abraham would have to trust God to protect them, wouldn't he? Because a little later in Genesis, we'll read about another time where some men were circumcised and they were incapacitated for a few days. So Abraham trusted that God would take care of them during this time. <laughs> and then I think he used some of the art of persuasion, don't you think? I mean, don't you think some of the men, when they saw some other man get circumcised, were thinking, not me, and, and yet somehow uh, Abraham persuaded all of them to be circumcised on the same day? And you know, when I saw this, I thought, isn't this really the birth of the church? Or, or, or isn't this really the birth of the people of God? Because think with me, before this, there were believers, right? There were believers before this, but on this day, there was a covenant community that was formed, right? There were over 500 men who all had the covenant sign on the same day, so a people was formed. Not just individual believers, but now God is gathering those believers together into a people. And when we say that God is faithful to a thousand generations, the rest of the story of the Bible is God pursuing people through his people and through Jesus Christ and promising them a person and a place forever. And... Uh, so let's see how God is faithful to a thousand generations. The Bible ends with the book of Revelation. And here is how history ends. Uh, in Revelation 5, verse 7, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Remember? Remember, circumcision uh, showed that we needed someone to shed their blood, and so Christ would come and shed his blood. Remember, too, that God changed Abram's name from exalted father to what? To father of a multitude. So what do we see here that, that Abraham, is now the, Abraham is now the father of a multitude, right? Because there will be people on the new earth from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people and nation, right? And remember, remember that God's promise was a person and a place. And notice where this place is. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign where? Upon the earth. Ah, a person and a place forever. Because God keeps his promises. God is faithful to a thousand generations. That's what I wanted you to learn. The whole flow of the Bible is God pursuing his people so that we could have a person and a place forever. And so now I want to change a little direction a little bit from learning about God, uh, which the God is faithful to a thousand generations. And what I want for you, for an action step this week, is I want you to trust in God's faithfulness. If God is faithful, it's important for us to learn how to trust in God's faithfulness. And that's what I want to help you do today. So I want you to see a verse and. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, starting in verse 6, listen to this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. 
The Christian life begins when we trust God's faithfulness by receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. And the Christian life is lived by trusting God's faithfulness by following Jesus as Lord, right? Have you received him? If you haven't, won't you? That, that's how it all starts, and we all need to receive Christ. And the reason for that is, is we have a problem called sin. That's the bad news of the gospel. Remember circumcision? Remember circumcision, the removal of the flesh was a reminder we have a problem that blocks us having life with God, and it's sin that we have all sinned against God. In, in thought and word and deed, and we're in big trouble. But listen, the good news of the gospel, it was pointed to in circumcision, right? The shedding of blood, it pointed to Jesus, that Jesus is God the Son who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, who climbed on the cross and shed his blood for us. He's the fulfillment of what circumcision pointed to. He shed his blood for our sins. And then Jesus was buried, but he didn't stay buried. He didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day, and he offers us eternal life. He offers us a person, the chance to do life and eternity with Jesus. He offers us a place, the opportunity to spend all of eternity with Jesus on a new earth. And what does he ask us to do? To trust him, right? Oh, listen, the verse that changed my life is, is where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus pursues us. He says, listen, I want to move into you. Let's do life together and eternity together. I'll forgive you. Let me run your life. I can do so much better job than you can. Uh, so there was a day where I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And if you never have, won't you do that today? How do you do that? It starts when we admit Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then it's, I received him as Savior, Jesus. I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and, and I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life, and he did. And I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, and, and he did. And if you've never done that, won't you? And that's, if you have, listen, that's how we start the Christian life. That's how we live the Christian life. Going back to Colossians chapter 2, did you hear that? As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You started this walk by trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now walk in the same way. Now that you know him, he says, follow me. Will you walk by trusting him? Now notice this. <clears throat> when you come to faith in Christ, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. When we come to faith in Christ, it's so important to have a church home, a place where we can be built up in him and get to know him so that we can overflow with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. <laughs> Aren't there so many voices in our ears these days? Aren't there? So many voices, and, and the scripture says, don't be led astray, don't be led astray. Listen, get to know Jesus, follow Jesus, make much of Jesus. Now, this is really good. Verse 9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, 
If you want to trust God's faithfulness, if you want to walk in faith, it's so important you know Jesus. And who is Jesus? He's the fullness of deity in bodily form, fully God and fully man in one person. And listen, and in him you have been made what? You guys there? In him you've been made what? One more time, you've been made complete. You know what that means? When you get Jesus, you get it all, right? You get it all. And in him, you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So to trust God's faithfulness is to walk in Jesus, right? And you know what that means? It means to walk in forgiveness. Um, I love forgiveness, don't you? Have you noticed in our culture now have you noticed in our culture now that if you say one wrong word, if you say one wrong word in our culture today, you can lose your job, wreck your career, and there is no way back. Do you know my mouth is such a disaster? That scares me to death. And I am so thankful to know Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? It's to walk realizing that I am forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. Listen, is that precious to you, isn't it? It is to me because I am such a mess. Matter of fact, Here's another great verse. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. I, I, I see so many people who condemn people over one word. They say, listen, I'm the biggest sinner in here and in our culture. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He came to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. I have walked with Jesus for a long time. The two things I'm convinced of is I'm a great sinner and I have a great Savior. And I am so thankful to go to bed tonight and know that I'm forgiven. Let me ask you something. Do you think there is anyone in our community who's messed up in their life? Do you think there is? Do you think there's anyone who wonders... Is there a way back? Is there a way back for what I have done? Won't you share with them the good news that, listen, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what it means to walk with Jesus? It's to walk with forgiveness, in forgiveness. It's to walk with a friend. Let me ask you, how, how many of you would like a friend? Most of you don't. Come on, how many of you would like a friend? Now, how would you like a friend who would say, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you? How many of you would like that? Do you know you have one? Now, how many friends I've had over the years that have gotten mad at me and left? But there's one friend who moved in and said, I'm never leaving. You know why my favorite verse is my favorite verse? Because we don't get it. Table fellowship in the Bible is a really big deal. In the Bible, eating with someone, 
like most of the world, is a really big deal. They can't imagine like a drive-through. Eating together is a big deal. Notice what Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. We will be friends. Do you realize every morning I get up and Jesus has breakfast prepared and I get to spend time with him? Do you? I mean, can you believe Jesus wants to spend time with me? And then all day long, we get to walk together and talk together with someone who said, I'm never leaving. Does that thrill you? Let me ask you another question. Do you know anybody who's looking for a friend? Do you know anybody who would love to have a friend who would stick with them, they could have breakfast with, and who would say, I will never leave? Won't you introduce them to Jesus, won't you? Man, to walk with Jesus, I have a friend. Uh, I get to walk in forgiveness with a friend. You know what I get to? I get a community, a place to belong. You ever look around our culture and say, uh, I don't fit in here. Did you know if you're a Christian and you're not supposed to? Did you know that? The Bible says we're strangers and aliens on earth. But, but you know where I belong? I, I, I belong in here. You know why I belong in here? You know why I love the church? Not because the church isn't messed up. I mean, I'm glad the church is messed up. That's why I'm here. You know why I love the church? Because everybody here says we need Jesus. We're lost without him. That's what we share in common, isn't it? It's not how good we are. It's that we all need Jesus, right? You know why else I love the church? Because when I say Jesus in here, everybody else loves to hear his name. There is a place I belong. It's not in our culture. It's in his church. So let me ask you, do, do you know anyone who maybe feels like they don't belong won't you invite them to be a part of the family of God? And I know, I know, if you invite someone, someone's going to say, I can't go to church because I'm not, what, good enough. And you can share with them the gospel that you can't be too bad to belong to the church, but you can be too good. Did you know that? The only thing that keeps people out of the church is they're too good. Because all you have to do to belong to the church is admit you're not. So invite someone. If they say, man, I'm not good enough, you should say, <laughs> you ought to come to our church. It's fast filled with really messed up people, especially our pastor, man. You'll feel right at home. Aren't you glad there's a place to belong when you don't have it together? Oh, man, to walk with Jesus, we get forgiveness and, and a friend. We get a, a community and we get truth. Man, I am so thankful to know Jesus. I'm so thankful he's the truth. I'm so thankful his word is true. Aren't you? I mean, the coronavirus deaths are overreported. The coronavirus deaths are underreported. Which one is telling me the truth? I don't know. Do you? But I do know this. I open up the Bible and it's true. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Hallelujah. In a world of so many voices, there's truth. Let me ask you, 
Do you know anybody who's searching for the truth? Do you? Why don't you invite them to meet the one who is the truth, right? Isn't that what it means to walk with Jesus? It's to walk in forgiveness with a friend and a community in truth and with a purpose, isn't it? I mean, do you look around our country? Does it break your heart what you see? What are you going to do about it, huh? You know what Jesus says, right? He says what? He says what? Follow me, right? And I will what? I will make you fishers of men. He says, follow me and be world changers, right? As we look at all the divisions in our culture, listen, our civil government can outlaw discrimination, and we should encourage the civil government to do that, right? But the civil government cannot change human hearts. They can't. And they can't get people who are enemies to love each other, but Jesus can. Have you, have you ever gotten to know his 12 disciples? Have you? Did you know in his small group he had a zealot? And a zealot believed that every Roman should be a dead Roman. And he had a tax collector. He had a tax collector who sold out to the Romans. They were as far apart politically as you could possibly be. But somehow, when they met Jesus... They were reconciled to God and each other. Can we keep that power to ourselves? Listen, when we live in such a divided culture, won't we go and invite the one who can change human hearts? Oh, listen, to walk with Jesus is is to walk in forgiveness with a friend and a community, with truth and a purpose, and with hope. Isn't hope oxygen for the soul? Don't you love that it's with Jesus we get to live every day of our life knowing the best is yet to come? Oh, listen, I'm a guy. The last three months have been really hard. You know why? There's no sports. There's nothing to watch. What do I do with my life? But here's what I found. I can watch games in the past where my team won. Because <laughs> I get to select the games I watch. And not only that, but I get to watch the highlights where I don't have to watch all the commercial. And you know what? It completely changes your emotions. When you're watching the game and you know how it turns out. It really does. If, if there's an interception or a fumble, no big deal. No big, I know we win. Oh, we're surrounded by people who don't know how the story ends, right? And that's why they're so upset. But this is kind of a spoiler alert. I want you to know I've read the story, and I know how history ends. And I know sometimes things now look like they're really, really out of control. But I want you to know that Jesus is coming back. And that person and that place we were made for, we will enjoy them forever. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Oh, what we long for now, that everybody would love Jesus, that everybody would get along one day, one day it will be true. 
for all of eternity, we will be with that person whose blood was shed for us in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, all the peoples will get along forever. Hallelujah. So this week, when you're talking with people and they're so upset by what's happening, say to them, listen, you know why you're so upset? Because you were made for a person and a place. What you long for one day will be true, and you can be there. Wouldn't you like to be? Oh, what a message we have for such a time as this. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to seek and save sinners like us. Thank you. Thank you for shedding your blood in our place and rising so that we could receive you as Savior and Lord and we could walk in you and with you. Listen, if you're here and you've never received Jesus, won't you? <laughs> won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm, and I'm sorry? And, and won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you've died on the cross for my sins and rose? And won't you receive him, Jesus, come into my life and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've taken that first step today, won't you text us at uh, ABC and let us know? Won't you mark it on, on Facebook? We'd love to celebrate with you that today you put your faith in Christ. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who have received you that we would walk with you, that we would walk in forgiveness this week and offer it to others, that we would walk with a friend and invite others, that we would walk in community and, and invite others, that we would walk in truth and share that with others, that we would walk with purpose, that we would walk in hope and invite others to join us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.